You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's Very Loose Women um, on Resonance 104.4 FM. Um, so on tonight's show, we've got a bit of a special two interviewees. We are joined by Mike and Victoria Melody. Thanks Thank for having um, So tonight's theme of the show, we have I don't think we've ever talked about funerals and death rituals, and this is in light of a new show that you're doing. So first of all... Um, just for our listeners to get a bit of a background, can you tell us about the show? Well, it's called Ugly Chief. And uh, the reason why it's called Ugly Chief is because um, I'm making a show with my dad and our surname is Melody. And dad told me it was Gaelic and it meant Ugly Chief. And I thought that that was a really good title for the show. So I went away and I printed the flyers and the posters. And then it turned out that Melody doesn't mean Ugly Chief. Melody means tune. One of the conflicts that's within the show, because we're a real father and daughter, um, there's obviously lots of squabbling, and um, um, one of the um, one of the biggest squabbles was um, around organising Dad's funeral. And uh, the backstory is is that Dad was diagnosed with a terminal illness. Hang on, for me, it's a front story. And um, after living with that for a year... Oh, and the backstory, I'm the, silly. The doctors realised that they had misdiagnosed him. So um, he's fine. During that time, when Dad was diagnosed with a terminal illness, he asked me to organise his funeral. So I started to organise it. And also I went off and uh, trained as a funeral director. When I thought we were going to lose Dad, I thought one of the, you know, obviously it was sad I was going to lose him, but it was sad that we never collaborated and made something together. And so once he was given the all clear, I said, Dad, do you want to make a show? And he said, yeah. And um, then we started working together. The biggest mistake I ever made. <laughs> he says that now. He'll love it. He'll oh, love it when I'm the show's you, up. I'm telling you. But, um, um, yeah, and so we started working together. And Dad wanted us to make a show about Blackpool Football Club, which um, wasn't that interesting. <laughs> and... <laughs> First it, was was to me. it was to me. <laughs> and then we we were playing with like we were we were like sharing different ideas and and they weren't very good. And then I just turned to him and I said, I think we need to make a show about why we're here and we're here because of your misdiagnosis. And so I think the show needs to be about your funeral. And I've already you know organised your funeral. So why don't we make it? you know a show about that a living funeral um and you know i can train as a funeral director and demystify the british funeral process and, and so it'll be a comedy show that's part living funeral um but also looks at our uh, traditions and attitudes to death and and then um i laughing, put on the, f- the first part of the show i i put on the funeral that dad would have got if he really would have uh, gone and he hates it <laughs> and um and I have I get the information wrong like I always thought he was born in Blackpool but he's not he's from Aston under Lyme and so 
that's a, such, that's such a funny concept that if you were actually there to witness at your own funeral and it actually didn't reflect who you were and actually you got the stories wrong. I think this sort of leads into one of the main things that really came to mind when I was sort of reading about the show. This idea that we often seem to have funerals more for the living than the dead and how much you know, how much people really put into thinking about it and how much they personalise it when people can actually often choose to disregard those wishes. Some things are set in stone and legally have to happen, but well, in many not, other ways. Know, well, that's, what I, what, that's kind of what I'm interested in because, you know, I'm thinking about things like if you have a will, then certain things happen at the end of it. Correct. But if you say, well, at my funeral, I want you to play this song, is there a way that, you know, that has to happen. Or oh, no, it, no. oh ah, well, what happens? Look, I'm telling you, so long as you're clean, like you're in a hospital, you don't even have to have a coffin. You can get buried in your garden. I mean, there's a million misconceptions about funerals. And once our vicar started digging into them, right, I got very interested because you can virtually do anything. I mean, I went on to one, one firm and I said, uh, I thought, well, I might get thrown off a boat at sea, you know, was off Blackpool Pier. I thought, that's one way to go. Oof. So did you change your funeral plan as a result of this show? Oh, she's got me funeral plan now. You'll have to come to the show to hear it. But, I mean, uh, <laughs> if, you, if, you look, if you look behind you, you'll see me, me coughing. So, um, what yeah. What is it? There it is, there. So What's that? Don't, well, don't give it away. <laughs> oh. This is radio. <laughs> There's one quite traditional looking coffin which I'm assuming is the the one that you're not so keen on and then there's something which looks far more exciting correct <laughs> yeah so the second part of the show is the funeral that he would actually want and um which is chaotic but but, but better reflects the person but going back to your point about funerals and about pre-arranged funerals I mean I think it's a good idea um you know, because when you're in grief, you ha you have all these decisions you have to make very quickly, and um, you're at your lowest emotionally. So, so it's difficult to decide. Um, you know, you know which coffin or burial or cremation, especially if you haven't had that conversation with the deceased before. So. These days, um, there are, you can have the option to pay for your funeral ahead of time, a pre-arranged funeral, and where you choose how many cars are going to pick people up from the house, what kind of cars. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, I, I didn't right. know you All could actually pay. I did know about yeah, this, what, and what? a friend of mine has done an investigation into it, and there's actually not all, but many scammers in the field because Correct. you're betting on on like long term in the f in the future yeah. they are adjusting like interest rates accordingly yeah. and it's it's really shocking uh, well yeah. let me this is um, this came out of the i mean okay i'm not a thespian i mean i'm an antique dealer who my daughter has thrown me into a bit of acting which I can't do. But I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm blow your trumpet, right? No, so I'm... basically, Dad is not just an antique dealer. He's he's saying that, um, oh, I've just thrown him into theatre. But actually, he already did television, so he was already an entertainer. <laughs> that isn't theatre. Because, okay yeah, because he's been on shows like Dickinson's Real Deals, um, Secret Dealers, it's another t uh, TV show, so he's not... Oh, do you want he's, 
CV. Yeah. Well, the antique show. I've been you on know. Parkinson. How do you name he it? He hasn't but, been hey, on Parkinson. I have. I went. So I'm oh. going for a song when Michael Parkinson ran it. Oh, I thought you were going to say like this is your life or something. Star guest on Friday night. Getting back, getting back to the funeral job, right? It, it's absolutely. This is a fascinating thing, and it's come out in this this show. You're absolutely correct. There's so many scammers about, right? And the whole industry, we call it a marketing guilt because they're relying on you, right? Your loved one dies, right? You're going to throw money at it, right? Money sometimes you can't afford. Money a lot of people can never afford, right? And it's sort of all baloney because you can do it so much cheaper, but the system gets you. You know, I mean, it's a complete and utter con. Um, do we expose it? But on the other side of that, um, um, when I was doing my field work, so I actually trained and worked in funeral homes, and the so I was given complete access to everything, and I, I, you know, and I was really um, involved, genuinely. You know, I was putting makeup on corpses, I was driving hearses, I was, you know, doing the whole thing, and um, for those funeral homes to give me whole you know all access they had nothing to hide and i found them to be very dignified and so that in any trade in any industry there's good and bad and um and i think that you know that's it's important to demystify um the system so then people have got a bit more uh knowledge and it it empowers people to make better decisions that better reflect the person that that's gone um how how long were you training with with them um so i trained with some um more alternative funeral directors in brighton and um i trained um i i um I couldn't find traditional funeral directors to train me in Brighton, so I went all the way to Port Talbot in South Wales, where I trained. Um, and I spent... Um, I went back um, for two weeks... So Yeah, about two weeks over there in Port Talbot. And when you're actually training to work in funeral homes, and you mentioned some of the the really kind of things that I would imagine would be quite hard to do, like putting on the makeup, stuff which there's a lot of trust that goes in there because you're seeing someone when, you know, they're, they've, they've died and their family know that they're in a very vulnerable, their body, it's such, a, it's such a difficult thing to get your head around that this body's leaving home or leaving the hospital and going somewhere else. What training is there to prepare you for that? How, how does that work? It's actually really interesting because I didn't know you don't need any um, training to become a funeral director. There's no legal uh, thing. Anyone can be become a, a funeral director. It's um, it's just you know. So there's obviously good people and there's bad people. And if you're talking about like how do you mentally prepare yourself for something like that? Um, I mean, I was, because I'm a very emotional person, I'm a very squeamish person, and I had no idea how I was going to respond. Um, but I think it's, I think it's a, it's, it's a really underestimated care industry, actually, because the funeral directors um, that I worked with treated the deceased in such a, a gentle way and, and, uh, and I said, as I said before, like in a, in a dignified way. So I think it is a is a um, underestimated care industry. And the funeral directors I spoke to 
said that there's some things that they will never forget um and and I don't, I, you know, and it's like I was working uh, with the police at one point and, and they said the same thing. You can't block, thing, block things out. But, but what I did find is that most people that work in the funeral industry lead these amazing second lives. And at first of all, I thought it was to escape the horrors of the job. But then I realised it was more to embrace intense experiences of life so I met people who were in choirs and incredible choirs who um, were adrenaline junkie cyclists who jumped off mountains somebody um, um, had show chickens where they went around the world showing chickens um, you know show chickens but, here we go but, they, but they're oh, doing boy. these things because they know how fragile and, and important life is. She told um, me. She told me about one guy who was racing horses. He wasn't racing them; like he was running, running with them, seeing if he could beat them. Oh, yeah, yeah Howard, who worked at the crematorium, he, who's um, seventy-five, he raced against horses. He never won. No, <laughs> unless it was one behind a milk float. So it's more running with horses. If yeah. Running free. So, so running he, after a horse. So he, that's already gone. Horse in the field. Give it a good clout, yeah. and then he'd go and leg behind it and see if he could catch it. Yeah. It's that kind of that idea of, like you said, feeling alive, feeling young, keeping yourself, knowing that you've got to keep living. And as you said, it puts everything a little bit more in in sharp focus. And I was really interested, as someone, well, both of you, someone who's organised a funeral, how, how has that changed your sort of, your feelings about how you, how you approach the idea of your own mortality? Do you, do you, feel, do you feel now like you've almost prepared yourself to, to die soon and now you think, oh, yeah, it's fine, or have you slipped back into how you were before? Do you know, nothing would give me more pleasure than falling off the perch tomorrow. <laughs> Before the show starts, I tell you, I've never worked so hard. No, it's it's funny, and like you've got to you've you've got to understand. I mean, I'm in one way one of the luckiest people uh, that you'll ever meet because I've actually swerved uh, a situation. I'm, I'm out of it. You know, a bit of a gammy hand and a bit of a limp, and that's me lot. Um, so now, I mean, every day is precious. It's a sort of, it's a reverse psychology. You take life for granted. You know, this probably applies to, I don't know, it applied to me for certain. And now I, I really try and plan my week out so I'm doing something that I want to do. Mm. Not acting particularly, but like, there we go. I mean, I've been rope legged in. It's all right, Vic. I mean, you don't have to look like that. Um, for me... It... It was going to the crematorium and seeing a body burn, and oh, um, but but I found it invigorating, and it took me a while to work out why I felt that. And I think it's it's because it's once you understand your mortality, you can really live your life. Um, so yeah, so it's that basically. I, you know, I think I I know it's not for everyone, but I think it's an amazing cathartic thing for people to go and do. But I know we're focusing a lot about funerals and talking about funerals. But in the show, like, that's the show that I wanted to make. But that the conflict you hear, you know, me and Dad kind of arguing, that's really what comes out in the show is our, our relationship. So 
I wanted to make a show like I've made before. You know, I've made shows about um, dog shows and beauty pageants and where I've become an active um, participant and immerse myself and, and become those things. I wanted to make a, a funeral show, but then, dad, but then I collaborated with Dad and it just goes into chaos. And so it starts off a bit about funerals, but then it ends up more about our relationship and how... Um, how you write a eulogy together, like for the story of somebody's life. Um, um, well, yeah. We, well, we got to thinking that, like, rather than you see, unfortunately, like your funeral comes after you're dead. So we got to thinking, wouldn't it be nice if you could listen what to what people said about you when you were living? I mean, you could be propped up in a bed or whatever. But the Irish have the right idea, don't they? Awake. I mean, the reason they call it awake, you know, is just in case they're not dead. So they lay them out on the table, get drunk, yeah, have a party around them, and then if they're still dead in the morning, they bury them. And it sort of, the whole thing became, um, uh, it was surprising, really, because you don't know the true feelings of people around you, right? And if you listen to some of it it's not bad and if you listen to other bits you wouldn't have him as a mate you know I mean it's all that it's just we, different we do have a a sort of cultural habit um, and I'm saying we very broadly I think this sort of applies to lots of different places and cultures of not really speaking ill of the dead and Correct. maybe sanitising people's personalities as well so have you looked at the way that different kind of cultures approach this situation and found maybe very different styles in You'll love this. other places? You'll yeah. love, uh, there's a feature in the show, right? We, we only go to New Orleans, don't we? Uh-huh. Right, because, like, you know, all that sort of New Orleans funerals, yeah. processions and Big all that? Yeah. Well, Miss Research here, right? I wasn't grumbling. This was the only benefit of the whole damn thing. Is she took me to New Orleans for ten days. Now I used... he loves it, really. He loves the whole thing. He's just in a mood because it's the end of the day, and I've been working him hard, and he, he forgot he forgot some of his lines. So he got told off by the he got told off Legs by the director. We... So now he's in a mood. But we went to New Orleans, which is like a sort of they have a Cajun culture and a Creole culture, and there they celebrate death. So we actually went, and uh, in all fairness to Arvik, she made appointments with uh, some of the Mardi Gras uh, Indians, you know, the, uh, and we went to, we were so lucky, because on one of the, we were only there two Sundays, and on one Sunday we were able to join a four-mile uh, funeral procession. And boy, oh boy, was that a follow-up. I mean, we went in a golf buggy, yeah, there was more guys selling drink and alcohol. Everywhere you looked, there was ice and bottles, right? And a lot of that sort of uh, Jamaican tobacco. And effectively, by the time we'd done the four miles, there was nobody stood upright apart from us who <laughs> were in the golf buggy, being typically English. It was amazing. I mean, they do that, and it went on all after. I mean, I think it went on from one o'clock, didn't it? And we, we got out at, what? Eight o'clock Eight o'clock, yeah. and they were still partying. And what a way to go. It's, yeah, it is. I've been to um, two funerals, my mother's parents, yeah. and um, one of them, so they were both cremated, and there was sort of, what really struck me at both was the automated curtain mm. when the coffin goes into, like, the fire area. And it was just, like, I actually, my, I stood next to my sister for my grandfather's one, and... Uh, I 
kind of had uncontrollable laughter from this like automated curtain because it was so I think death is like ultimately very absurd so obviously very funny but um uh the, yeah the curtain just really really got me because it was so like jerky yeah. and mm. awkward and sort of a really pastely disgusting color yeah it's but, something that it's a place that is public and it's a private event and I think yeah. that's what's got me because I I actually only ever been to uh, funerals where someone has been cremated. I haven't been to the burial. You know, when you watch a film, it's always you get the dirt and you throw it it's in. It's windy. And you've got a black veil on yeah. and it looks almost quite glamorous. The ones that I've been to, it's some horrible little room. Again, maybe a sort of salmon pink stained yeah, curtain. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, it's it's that feeling you get when you go somewhere like... Um, a, motor, a motorway shop. For me, it was like a motorway shop. Yeah. It's like behind you. everyone's... <laughs> Everyone exactly. goes there and no one belongs there. And they yes. like make it they try to make it really cozy. Like when you stop on like if when you stop in the motorway and there's someone who's like serving you cans or whatever they sell there. It's like that's their job. They come to a motorway stop every day. That's like or like the people who serve in those like restaurants. And it's the same with the few like with those parlors. Like this is those people's job, but you're just passing by and you're literally probably never gonna come back to that spot. Yeah. But they've made it as cosy as possible so that you feel as home as possible and you're like, this is not my home. I mean, I, I, I had the, uh, a friend of mine, because we're in the antique business, um, or I am, uh, we're of a certain age, uh, a lot of my friends have fallen off the perch now. And I went to one funeral at a crematorium mm. uh, in a place called Birkenhead, which is near, outside, well, it's the opposite side to Liverpool, on the Wirral. And... I couldn't believe it. Number one, there was three churches on the go. I don't ask me which model they were. I presume Catholic, da da da, and whatever, and a crematorium. And number one, I didn't know where to go, and I was following. Like it was like motorway of hearse, <laughs> and I finally found. And this this was a very dignified lady, and she, she would have jumped out of the box if she'd known. And honestly, they were waiting for the one in front to finish. And then they come and hustle all the flowers out of the way, <laughs> shovel the body in one grunders, and you go in the other way, and you had thirty minutes, and then yeah. you were off. Horrible. So you can book, so you can book a longer slot, can but you? it's normally in thirty minutes. Cheap so skates. you can have a, a family nicking the money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but she will but, the, it. but the thing you were talking about about eulogies and about them not reflecting the actual person, I've heard eulogies, you know, of, of quite, you know naughty cheeky people and they've just been sanitized to sound really kind of angelic um and and that's a real shame isn't it because people's naughtiness and their and their bad characteristics are also what made them them and they shouldn't really be ignored and and that's what we look at as well we, you know we paint the picture good and bad um with no whitewash with no whitewash <laughs> but it's um it's, it's sort of like you know why don't we have living funerals because i know that if all my friends and family all my favorite people were in a room telling stories about me then i would want to be there so why not just have have that while you're alive and then nothing once you've gone isn't that like an anniversary party or a birthday party More or less, you kind of wedding Difference being, um, you you get to presumably if we could get this off the ground. I mean, do come and see the show; it's well worth a, a look. But if we get our movements off the ground. I.e., you know, once I finish this, I mean, 
Believe it, I'm back in antique dealing ish. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we think we're onto something very, very good. So we're promoting the living funeral. We're saying, listen, change the rules, right? When you think you're going to go five years before, have a party once and for all, you know, like a 50th anniversary or whatever. Right, not so much a birthday or an anniversary, a proper anniversary. Get all your mates round, hear what they said, get drunk with them, and go to bed. And I tell you what, if you go that morning, it doesn't matter, does it really? <laughs> you've had a great time. The idea. Yeah, and if you've got the money, have it somewhere exotic. You know, I mean, just do it. There's definitely something very cathartic and bonding about talking to somebody about what they would like included in their eulogy and writing that together. Um, because people love talking about themselves as well, don't they? And talking about their lives. That's literally what our show is. <laughs> <laughs> Preaching to the converted here. So you're on at Battersea Arts Centre yes. until the 19th of November, 18th. is that right? 18th of November. Yeah. And what? how can people get tickets, come along, find out? Okay, so uh, if you, it's, we're on at Battersea Arts Centre. So if you go on their website, you can look for Ugly Chief there. I sometimes i have got a bit of a speech impediment, so it sounds like Ugly Teeth. But it's not Ugly Chief, it's Ugly Chief. Um, and, yeah, get tickets on, on there. We're, and we're on... Oh, go to the... In Battersea, I mean, we're in Lavender Hill. There's a box office. They sell tickets there. I'm sure it'll be happy. Luke. We need the punters. So <laughs> we're, <so> we're, <laughs> we're doing all right, actually, Dad. So, well, Dad always wants more punters. He's an antique dealer. Have well, you um, taken it anywhere else? I have to say, if it, if it does well here, are there plans to We're to already... I think, Luke, this is one of the tragedies of life, this. This is why I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be too bothered if it did turn my toes up. She's already booked one tour, right? And she's now engineering, like, you won't believe, you'll love this. It's a good, good, great show, by the way. Um, it's funny. It's important to say that because we've been talking about quite depressing topics, but it, but it's because it's us and a genuine anyway. dad and daughter, and we argue it's funny. You thought about setting up your... <laughs> of course I am. Setting up your... Your antiques, you could do a little mini stall. Oh, don't be silly. I'm doing it. Hang on. That's hang a good on. point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go well, on, I didn't want to bring this up. Hang on. I didn't want to bring this up, but halfway through the show, I do a free valuation. Yeah, so we, and, we ask people to bring their valuables during think, the show for Dad to value, and if he likes them, then you'll buy, buy them. <laughs> In the process of doing the show, have you thought more about what you would like your funeral to be like, Victoria? Um, yeah, I mean, there aren't that many choices, are there, here in the UK. Um, a woodland burial would be really nice, and to be buried really shallow so that, um, you know, you can really feed the soil, but that's quite expensive. Um, so there's a there's another way um, coming over from America where you can basically um, deter- be deteriorated in acid. So I quite like the sound of that because it's actually really good for the environment. <laughs> I like this kind of woodland burial thing. I think you can get it, you sort of become a like a tree, like a little pod that goes in the ground and there's a tree attached to you and all that kind of thing. Um, I'm not surprised it's expensive. Okay, so my grandfather said that he wanted to be put on a cardboard box and chucked off, like chucked off a boat, which is not what happened. But I think he was going for the cheapest possible ox, like option. And as Catherine knows me, 
That is that would be my wish. Let me tell yes, you. Yes, but I, I also uh, cardboard coffins are really expensive. And They're so, five hundred pounds. So that makes no sense seat. to me. Yeah, Why? It's because when you go to the crematorium, um, you can't leak or anything. My great aunt actually left. In her will, she said that she wanted, she raised this with us before, that she wanted to leave her body to medical science. Mm -hmm. And it was really sad because medical science said we have no use. (laughs) 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 Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, You've been listening to Very Loose Women with Victoria and Mike Melody and myself, Catherine and... And Leo. And you can find us on at VLW Radio on Twitter and find our podcast on acast.com forward slash Very Loose Women. See him at the seaside Talking with the fishermen And made them decide